You know what that sound means. Welcome to Just the Tip-Off, the NBA podcast, where a bunch of friends like to sit around, drink beer, and act like we know things. I'm happy to announce that we are now accepting sponsors, looking at you, Natural Light, and Big Baller Brand. BBB, man, all the way. Uh, So starting us us off today, we are going to talk a little bit about some players who are retiring. So, Mason, if you... So let's take it from there. So Manu Ginobili. Gracias, Manu. That's been on, on the feed all day, all week. Finally retired. I didn't. I thought he had, had another season in him. I thought he was going to go for one more. They, that was all people could ask him after he, the last game of the uh, NBA fin- or Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. They were like, so are you retiring yet? Are you Are you done? Are you hanging it up? Was this your last game? And he's like, no, we just lost. I'm like, I don't know yet. I haven't decided, but you know, just like Tim Tim Duncan did in the middle of the night in the off season, just real mellow. Just you know, just like that's it. By the way, I'm, I'm that's done. exactly how Tony Parker is going to go out next season, middle do, of the night in the off do, season. Do you think? Uh, first of all, he's on a two year contract, so probably not. But um, do you think Kawhi leaving had anything to do with that? That he didn't want. To, he was happy to stick around. To, I think uh, more go Tony Parker. Dynasty? Tony Parker leaving? Okay. I was wondering if it's he doesn't want to stick around for a rebuilding era. That could be it. I think he still might be around, help out with Pop. Oh, yeah. He's still tight. But yeah. he's probably going to go back to Argentina maybe, try to like be a coach or something. That would be pretty cool. But, you know, this whole thing got me thinking. Like I always just kind of thought Manu would be in the league, and now he's not. He's been in for a while. There's a couple players like that that I can't imagine the league without. Like It's the longevity of these players. I haven't even – and one and one of them's probably doing their farewell season this year, which is Dirk Nowitzki. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki, for as long as I have followed basketball, Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki has been a like constant in the league, and no one really talks about him. But and he's definitely not in the conversation for goat. But I think he's definitely in conversation for top ten all time. I call him a goat. Well, he's, he's the, the thing, best he's, power forward. That, that, that's what I mean. Is he's not in the conversation for the goat. Okay. But I definitely think he's. Uh, there's, there's a couple goats, man. That's a little hard. Yeah, but little, what, uh, wait, what do you call a gaggle of goats? What is a? I think it's a murder. A murder goat. Pretty sure it's a murder goat. Right? <laughs> I would. Well, that's fucking weird. Uh, but um, anyways, uh, Nowinski, I think, I think he's a top ten player, and he you don't have to Google what do you call a group of goats. It's completely <laughs> fine, Nathan. We're good with murder. We are all curious. A tribe, a trip, a drove, a herd, a herd makes makes more sense. I'm perfect. Like, I'm perfect. I like your flock. flock. I oh, like no, guys, guys, guys. I like tribe. A trip, a drove, goats. A, tri- a, tri- a, tri- a tribe of goats. A tribe of goats. <laughs> All right, we're going with tribe. And we digress. For future yeah. reference, we're going, for, we're going with tribe. Um, so if we're talking about players who are in the league and are in the next round of retirement, we got Manu, who's already gone. We've talked about Tony Parker. He's gone. We've talked about Dirk, who's gone. Vince? He's he's got he's on the the Atlanta Hawks this year. Yeah, but he's got one more year because I, I think he could retire in he's Toronto. Said he, I think he's I think, yeah, he's I think he might retire. I think I one more season than me. Yeah. So, but max two years on Vince, like yeah. Um, and then one person who I think is going to play this year, and this might be his last one, which one of my favorite players of all time and easily a top five all time shooting guard is Dwayne Wade. D Wade, man. man. Yeah. One year contract to Miami is coming. Did he already get it? Uh, no, because yeah, he's, he's not. Because he doesn't want to take minimum. And they are strapped for luxury tax. And so he's going to, if he if he wants to retire Miami, he either has to take minimum or retire now. <laughs> or take 25 million. No, he said. Or go, yeah, take Actually, 25 yeah, million. He also, yeah. No. 
No, I don't think he's going to China. No. Because here's the thing is him him asking for more money, I don't think it's even that much of a money thing. I think it's an ego thing. Mm. Which, like, and I'm not – but don't misconstrue that as me faulting him for that. You deserve more than a better minimum, D-Wade. You are – like I said, sure. top so five all time tangibles. shooting guards. Yeah, like his, I mean, even his offensive defense is yeah. still crazy good oh. for how old he is. Yeah. Sure. Um, but that's like how long or how many more players are there going to be like this? Because then there's the players like Kevin Durant, who's come out and said, "I could see myself stopping at 35." Yeah. So that means he's got a lot six less more years. years. That's six more years. He's still pretty young, but you know, I think it, I think it depends on where, where the, the person's drive to play. I think you know, I think LeBron is going to be one of those players who's going to keep playing until he truly is done. Because I think LeBron just has that much of a passion for the game. And he's already said, you know, he would love to be able to play with this kid. Well, playing with this kid is five years away. So I feel like LeBron might be is going to be one of those players. Plus, just how like he's how about so Mello? sorry, Carmelo, Carmelo, you know. Him as well. I think it's the drive they have. And you think, think players this are more physically fit this yeah. year. These players are more physically fit nowadays, so they're able to have longer careers than they were you know, That's years. true. That's true. Health is so, a lot bigger and more of a factor, you know, not playing smoking cigs on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, I mean, LeBron spends, what, over a million dollars a year on his body? Like, people weren't doing that a decade ago. No, so. no. And if they were, they were... Everyone's got personal trainers and dietitians, and that's just the way all sports are going, not just the NBA. Peak players, man. People who want to stay around and play and dominate the longest. Yeah. So I think it, I think it, I think the the like the atmosphere of the NBA is kind of going towards those longer careers, but I think ultimately it depends on the player's drive to continue playing. Like Katie says, he could play much longer than another five years, but he's already capped it and said, "Well, hasn't capped it, but said, you know, I could see myself ending in five years." Um. So. Uh, on that note, two more players who one's already retired that not a lot of people are talking about. David West retired. I did. See did. That. I yeah, saw and that, yeah. David West is one of those players who he has never once like been a low value player on his team. He has always been a player who's contributed, and you got to give it to David West. I think he could have continued to play and continued to get to the point where he really is a contributing team, and he went out. Let's not say on top, but still a contributor, and that's a lot. And Manu, Manu was the same way. Um, if Dirk plays one more year, he might have pushed an extra year. But like, Dirk was also uh, like, he is playing another year. He signed a contract. Yeah, exactly. And so like, this this might be the year where he's pushing past value. And his locker room presence is something we can't take that for granted. But um, yeah, David West, 03 draft class. He was in the league a long time. He got two rings with the Dubs, and he he's very well respected in the league. And he's all-time a player great for the uh, Hornets. Yep, all time, and for the Pacers as well. He's a fan. He was fantastic on the Pacers. Um, he played for the Spurs, too. I don't remember him as well from there. No. Um, I'm sure we would have if they would have won a championship when he was there. Sure. Yeah. But. You guys are praising him. I'm going to knock him down. He went to Xavier. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So. You can't all be perfect. Yeah. No, you can't. you can't. But So do you think players are going to be staying in the league longer or shorter? What would you say? Longer. Longer. I think, I think we're going to see a dichotomy. I think we're going to see – a lot of players that would have had 10-year careers are going to start shrinking down to 8- or 6-year careers, and a lot of players who would have had 12-year careers are going to start lengthening out to 15-year careers. I think the really good ones are going to stay in longer, and I think the eh ones aren't. Is it just because they're, like, they're there for the money, you think? Um, I, I, don't, I don't even think it's as much motivation. I think uh, a big part of it is because athleticism is – we're able to maintain athleticism so long, but like you can keep – you can – 
stay in the league on athleticism alone for about six years. Then past that, you need a little bit of skill. Yeah. And so some players who might have been able to like still be athletic but not all the way stretch it there yeah. aren't going to stay in as long. And there's always going to be a younger, more athletic guy. And I think because these younger, more athletic guys are getting more and more athletic, these yeah. guys aren't going to stick around as long. Whereas I think if you like if you are an all time great and this athleticism is. Whereas Larry Bird played a 10 year career. But if Larry Bird had modern medicine and Larry Bird got his back treated when he was younger, and if Larry Bird, and if he easily could have had a 15 year career. Oh, it's, so if you're an all time, I think if you're a great, you stay longer. I think sure. if you're a mediocre player, you don't stay as long. You get that comment. I don't know if there'll be a, such a split as you're thinking. I think yeah. that there'll still be good players at 27, 28, 29. Yeah. Age wise, it's going to be a lot harder to determine that because all these guys. You just have to see how long they stay in. And I don't think it's going to be a hard rule. I just think we're going to see a trend. Yeah. But, um, so moving onward. Um, that kind of leads into, no, yeah, keep going. Yeah, you got it. Moving onward. Uh, recently, I was stroll, uh, scrolling through my feed, and I saw a quote from Brittany Griner, a WNBA player, who said, uh, who said something along the lines of, I, people complain, uh, people think, uh, she said keyboard warriors are bad mouth in the NBA after they never played a ball. But meanwhile, garbage players like Tyler Johnson are making $20 million a year. And there are plenty of players way more worthy of that in the WNBA. So first of all, I'm going to jump in front of this. That was a misquote. And uh, something we'll get back to, there have been a lot of misquotes of WNBA players. Some WNBA players have brought up the fact that they think they should be paid more. They think they should be paid like the men pay. And if you look at the numbers one way, that's true. But there have been a, uh, there's another famous quote that came through where um, I forget who it was, but they claimed that 75% of the WNBA are more skilled than LeBron and are getting paid way less. No one ever said that. And I think that it's a big problem. Uh, within the social media era that these players, if we're going to take the WNBA seriously, I think there are a lot of WNBA haters who like to go and make up misquotes to try to make the WNBA look bad, and that's just not the case. Now, there are here are two actual quotes of WNBA players, um, or one actual quote and one thing I know is a quote, but I can't attribute it to anyone. Uh, I forgot to write it down in my notes. But one, uh, Angel McCarty, um, she is uh, WM, she's former WNBA All-Star who played overseas for a long time because female basketball players actually get paid more to go overseas. And she said, pay us like you pay the men. I don't want to get paid more overseas. I want to get paid more in my own country. And that's a fair sentiment. But, um, and then something that I've seen multiple people throw out, that's a stat they use, uh, that, uh, is they claim that WNBA players split 20% of the revenue of the league, while NBA players split 50% of the revenue of the league. So that's that's their argument, and um, I think a little bit sound. But if we're going to go through it, I did some research today. I'm going to preface this by saying um, I never went off the first page of Google. I did all the math on a smartphone cal- a calculator, and I'm not very educated in how business works. And so if any of our listeners out there can point out one thing I did wrong, I'm very open to feedback because my numbers don't seem to add up and I don't want to be uh, throwing out false numbers. So I'm by no means an expert, but this is what I came up with today. Um, so the NBA gets $7.38 billion a year in revenue. That's a real number. Um, the WNBA does not publish their revenue. Um, however, I went through, I made a, um, I started to calculate it a little bit. Um, the WNBA gets 25 million a year for their TV deal. 
That's to put ESPN has exclusive rights to the WNBA, and that includes TNT and ABC because it's all the same parent company. But they get twenty five million a year. Compare that to the fact that um, the NBA uh, gets two point six six billion per nine years. So two point six six put that by in terms nine. Of, I, that's um, two hundred and ninety five million a year. So over ten times as much on their TV deal. All right. Now the average. Um, the average and uh, WNBA game has seven thousand seven hundred sixteen uh, attendance at it, and tickets cost seventeen dollars and forty six cents on average. On average, that's the average. Yeah. Um, little fun, uh, little thing. I'm just realizing now. We never, never introduced our friend Luke. Our friend Luke's here as a guest star. If you hear a voice you don't recognize, that's Luke. Um, he knows he knows a good bit about basketball. And he knows a lot more about drinking. But um, so our friend Luke's here. But um, so yeah, as I was saying. Uh, 7,716 fans on average with an average take price of 17.46. Now, this might not necessarily be true, but if it's truly an average, that means you can multiply the average number of attendance by the average number of seats by an average number of games. And when you add $25 million from the TV deal to the average number of tickets plus the average number of seats, or times the average number of seats times the average number of games, that comes out to $52.4 million. Right? Now, on top of that, a league pass for the WNBA costs $16.99, so $17. So that means you need about 58,000 subscribers to get an extra million dollars. So from 52.4 plus the league pass plus um, merchandising, I'm going to guess conservatively and say that the WNBA makes about $60 million a year. I think that's very fair numbers. I'd be very interested for anyone to point me out. Um, just to put that in perspective, um, we already won over $295 million a year for the NBA team. TV deal. It's about $200 for the league pass, plus I'm sure a lot more people buy it. And the average NBA fan uh, game has 17,987 people at an average ticket price of $78.40. So the w, uh, we already know they make $7.34 billion a year. I think the WNBA makes about $60 million a year. I also know the NBA subsidizes the WNBA, but I don't know what the, I don't know what that number is. And I think we can't count that as um, part of revenue. I think it's a good thing that the NBA is doing. We'll get to that later. But moving onward, the average NBA player makes $6.2 million a year. The average WNBA player makes uh, $71,635 a year, which is not a lot of money, but it's a livable wage. Sure. Like that's more than teachers make, more than nurses make. Like that's, More than startup engineers make. Yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a fine wage in America. Now, if we divide 71635 into 60 million, which is my approximation, that means each player is getting 1.1% of the revenue of the league. Now, if we divide $6.2 million into $7.38 billion, each NBA player is getting 0.84% of the league. Hmm. So 5% of revenue, by my calculations, could totally be wrong. The WNBA players make a little more. Uh, make a little more. Now, there's a couple contributing factors here. A, there's less teams in the NBA, or there's less teams in the WNBA. Well, well, let's, well can we speculate on that? I'm hearing this all. I'm like, holy yeah. shit, what the hell? Why Why is it like this? So that's just based on average salary into how much they make. Now, uh, when I looked into it, there are 491 players in the NBA. Um, that's a fact. I couldn't find number of players in the WNBA. When I checked the rosters online, all the teams had 12 people listed. 
but I think there's more people who count as WNBA players than aren't necessarily listed in a roster. So what I did was I divided the number of NBA players into the number of NBA teams and found there's 16 and two-thirds players per team, multiplied that by the 12 teams and found there's 196 players per um there's 196 players in the WNBA. So if you multiply 196 by the average uh salary of 71,635, you end up um I didn't write down the actual number, but you end up with 23% of the actual revenue. Whereas if you uh multiply 491 by the average salary of 6 uh 6 million uh 6.2 million um that ends up with 41% of the actual value. So the the whole 2050 split it's not 100% right, but it's the right sentiment. It's actually 23-41. So calling it 20-40 would be more honest, but that, that's neither here nor there. Um, but I'd be very interested to see why. My, uh, another thing that uh, I thought was interesting is no one knows the amount, but the NBA currently subsidizes the WNBA. Um, the WNBA has not been around that long. It's only been around, I'm guessing, 25 years. I knew it earlier, but I forget it. I think it's around 25 years if I can get a fact checker here. Um I do know that when the NBA was as old as the WNBA is, it was still receiving government subsidies because cities wanted NBA teams in their league and the WNBA wasn't profitable yet. And so now that uh, it was from 1996, that's 22, 22 years old. Yeah. So when the w- so when the NBA was 22 years old, it was still getting taxpayer subsidies. And so I think that the NBA should continue to subsidize it. But I think uh, if the complaint is we don't get paid like the men do, I think – by my numbers, they do per player, and it's all about how no, it's all about how numbers uh, talk, and you know twenty three to forty one. That's a difference, but there's a lot more NBA teams and a lot more uh, NBA players, and so all those league officials get diluted more. Sure. Um, on top of that, um, just think about this is the NBA's revenue. Think about how much inherent uh, inherent value the uh, NBA plays that they don't actually bring in. Uh, think about how many shoe deals there are. Nike makes a killing off the WNBA. Think about how many jerseys that sell. It used to be Adidas. Now Nike continues to make a killing off of it. Just all that merchandise, I, I'm sure it exists, but when's the last time you saw someone at the gym in a pair of Lisa Leslie's? Like, it just isn't a thing. Um, also, uh, making my case today, when I was out to lunch at work, I saw someone with a Golden State Warriors tattoo. If you ever seen anyone with a WNBA tattoo, that's something that is entirely intangible. It's unmeasurable, but there are just so many little things where the NBA generates value. And I think the WNBA, if it continues, can start to generate that value and they're just in the infancy of the league. And I know there's a lot of I know there's a lot of women out there who um, are very talented basketball players. I've watched the NBA a couple of times. I admit I'm part of the problem that I follow the NBA and do not pay any attention to the WNBA, but I've seen their highlights and I know they're good. Um, I think if they continue, leagues grow, uh, leagues grow in momentum. They're going to get hit a tipping point, and then they're going to take off. And they're, I'm sorry, the people in the WNBA right now are, are a pre-tipping point. And you can argue that maybe the NBA needs to subsidize more specifically to player contracts in order to um, in encourage order, more in order women to, encourage, to go towards yeah. the w, like NBA careers. Which, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been. A, Exactly. Yeah, so, but, I mean, I'm thinking like W. I think the real like their biggest complaint. I mean, sure they want to get paid more, but what it comes down to, I think, is that like they just want a bigger audience. Obviously, like that's what women, they want. Yeah, women yeah. are less likely to watch sports as a whole. I mean, obviously, there's women who are like all about sports, but it's just a target audience. The NBA is making so much more money because 
they have a huger, like a much more vast target audience of men who are watching the NBA. There just needs to be like more women. But, the, the, like, but then obviously there's women who are interested in watching the NBA. But then, I mean, I, I guess as all men here, like, um, how do we call Dude, it? party. Here, here, yeah. Here's one thing I thought of today that I think actually could help the case of the WNBA. Uh, what if the big three became a co ed league? <clears throat> That'd be pretty cool. I'm telling you, Grey League. Grey yeah. League is on a bot and biased, man. Yeah. And, 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 and women, yeah. Here's the thing is, I love basketball, and right now the NBA is the top tier of basketball. So I, and there's enough NBA that I can get most of my fix on it. But I do watch some college games, and I do watch some big, big three. And, and there's also a bias naturally against women because 95%, uh, 95% of sports reporting. Reports male sports, and I didn't make that setup. That's 95. real stuff. 95% of sports reporting reports male sports. And that number, it sounds crazy at first, but when you think about it, it's right. When you yeah. turn on ESPN, when you're watching SportsCenter, it's all male sports, and then they'll throw in it. I hate to say it, it's almost a formula, and then they'll throw in, I was like, and these women did this. Yes. And I think I, I think a big part of it, um, especially now that we're getting to the era of alternative media, where people are starting to be able to pick their media more, people are listening to podcasts, people are sure. perusing Reddit or Pinterest or um, Tumblr, whatever your um, Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter all these. I think, And I think you can tailor it to your interests. Mm-hmm. But I think big media still drives change. I think if the WNBA is serious and they think it's profitable, big media needs to take a step forward. Um, Honestly, it's targeted at just like the younger generation, yeah, like older generation true. as well, but they know who uses yeah. their phones the most. Right. Yeah. But look at other sports like tennis. I feel like tennis has a much more, I, don't, I mean, I don't know the stats on pay for like men versus women in tennis, but like I, I would men assume it would be, yeah, men still make more, but I assume it's less like of a big difference than it is in um, basketball. This, this, this is for a different podcast because it's an entirely different issue because sure. tennis is caught up in a lot of tradition. Yeah. But um, women generate about the same revenue and men are paid less. And that's one where, like, I'm not usually a big believer in the pay gap. I think, like, genuinely the pay gap is... Um, were we talking about basketball? We were. And then we started <laughs> talking about that. Regardless, tennis um, uh, is a different issue, but sure. I, at least within the WNBA. And I think a big part of it is there's some systematic things against the WNBA, preventing them from taking off. And I think... Um, the WNBA can take off, and when that happens, they can start getting paid. But as I see it right now, and once again, I open this up to the listeners. If anyone can hear my numbers and show me a like a like, I'll I'll admit I'm probably off a couple. Uh, I'm probably off a little bit. Like that's just, <laughs> uh, probably it could be ten dollars. No, or 10 minutes. no, no. But realistically, if someone can go through, is like, oh, you completely forgot about this revenue stream. I would be very interested to talk about this, and this would be a pod. This, if anyone can bring it to me, I'd be very happy to talk about the podcast. Where they talk to us? Um, you can comment on the podcast. You can comment on the podcast, and um, I'll just go out and say it. Uh, my Twitter account is Hyder, or no, it's not. It used to be. Let let me look up what my Twitter account is. (laughs) Um, I don't go on it ever, but uh, I will. I will see the notification if you DM me. (laughs) Um, if you. Do have something to bring to me? It's S Hyde H Y D E three three O. So at S Hyde three three O, DM me. I would be very open to hear anything. Um, yeah, I don't know about anything. There's a lot out there. Yeah. <laughs> worst comes worst, I get a new Twitter account and never even. <laughs> but uh, and but yeah. Um, so the when I started researching for this piece, the thing I the thing I was starting to say was um, that if these WNBA players 
are really reaching out towards these NBA players and calling them out uh, for uh, reasons they don't make money. They shouldn't bite the hand that feeds because the WNBA subsidizes them or the NBA subsidizes them. But I found out I'm completely wrong and I'm yet to find um, an actual quote where an NBA player or a WNBA player attacked the NBA and all they kept on doing is quoting the stat of 20 to 50, which isn't necessarily a wrong stat. It's just uh, when you dig a little deeper, you got to go down on a player by player basis and on player by player, I think it's equal. And I think instead what you need to do is you need to promote your league. Promotion is key. Yeah. Yes. That's good. That, yeah. I mean, but, but also I completely understand if I, if we flip the roles, say I was a NBA basketball player and I was making $71,000 a year and the average NBA player is making 6.2 million, I'd be pissed. I'd want to change. And, um, it, this is what I see, and it might not even be right because I'm not even in the organizations, but a lot of different people see change in a lot of different ways. And if they're trying to make steps towards change and what they, they see as a po- positive direction, all the more power to them. Yeah. I mean, a lot of change scares people, though. Yeah. And I, I think there's a lot of – and I genuinely think there is a lot of hatred for the WNBA, which is not merited. I think there's a lot – and a little leftover sexism. Um, and and like he, here's what I have to say, and I might be wrong. Um I think I'm not saying there's no sexism in our generation. I think sexism is largely generational. And I think as generations go on, it's going to shrink and shrink. I think majority of the (laughs) anti WNBA comes from an older generation. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Like you said, it's going to shrink. Yeah. But I'm just saying, there is like the big NBA, like the, you know, NBA finals game seven. And there's a woman like the WNBA at one. I know they probably don't schedule them at the same time, but if you had to make the choice between yeah. one or the other... like The WNBA playoffs are going on right now. Um, I have not watched a single game. Yeah. Seen highlights? Doing I've, really I've good. seen highlights. Uh, They're doing awesome. Man. Diana Taurasi, you are killing it. You, Diana Taurasi just uh, yeah, became it the... It was ridiculous. She just became the number one all-time postseason scorer in the WNBA. Wow. Like, she is killing it. Diana Taurasi, you keep doing you. Um, But yeah, all, all, also... um. I want the WNBA to take off, and so I'm a little conflicted here, but um, I would think if you're a WNBA player and you can make more money overseas, um, athletics are one of those things where you can only make money for so long and you should go get paid. Um, I understand wanting to stay in America, but also think if you have an average, uh, above average NBA or WNBA career goes from age 22 to 30, um, do you know how many, do you know how many, Americans who aren't professional athletes would uh, kill to make more money to live in a foreign land for eight years and then be able to come back on uh, come back and start over. I think that's I think don't get me wrong. I understand wanting to play in America, but it's all about how you view, how you view it and when you view it as an opportunity. Um, one of the biggest Euro leagues is in Italy. Hmm. Imagine being in your twenties and making good money to live in Italy. That sounds awesome. That's an opportunity that, that a lot of silly. Americans don't have. You know how easy it is to travel over there too. You travel yeah. all over. Oh yeah, so, and oh dur- you know what? During the off season, come back to America, or during the off season, fly your family and do a Euro tour. Like <laughs> that'd be sweet. Yeah, and so know. don't get me wrong. I really I believe in the WNBA, and um, I want the Big Three to become a co-ed league to promote the WNBA, but. If you're a WNBA player and you're debating whether or not to go overseas, if I were in the WNBA, that's what I would do. That's all I have to say about that. Sure. Like long story short, WNBA. <laughs>
Um, so I guess Great I, point. we can move on to the next topic, the uh, injuries. So the, was it just me or did it seem like there was a lot of injuries last year? They were right, all right, around the All-Star break. Right before the All-Star break. It, it was very disappointing. You and just, all big names. I'm sure the big names get highlighted more oh, yeah. than that little guy who plays five minutes every night, if that. But yeah. Well, I mean, like, I feel like uh, I don't want to say he's a little guy, but he's definitely not an all star. And the Oscar Robertson injury was blown up pretty big. That was covered. Yeah. Well, I mean, like little by little guy. I mean, like yeah. you know, like not as well known players. So players. Just, yeah. yeah. You know, but, I mean, even resting players is kind of not even talked about that much anymore. Like you see people go down for a little bit, and they're like, oh, it's just they're resting, which mm-hmm. didn't used to be something that we talked about. So it kind of got me wondering. How many – is there more injuries going on or less in the NBA right now? What do you guys think? Um, The last season, last la- 16, la- 17 season. Last season compared to what, the last Sorry, five? Sorry, 17-18. Uh, 17-18 compared to what, the last five? Uh, No, down to 15-16. Down to 15-16. That's the amount of research I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say maybe a slight uptick but nothing outlandish. Yeah, I, I think I think there was more as well. And, and, and that could just be that it was publicized more, that ESPN, Fox Sports, Bleach Report are talking more about the injuries because it seems like as a whole, sports is focusing on injuries a lot more. I know the big one is the NFL with all the concussion stuff, but I think maybe that is kind of bled over into the NBA where all of a sudden all these injuries are highlighted as soon as they happen and we need to talk about them now, now, now versus, you know, yeah. maybe a couple years ago, it wasn't focused on as much, so or turning up almost even maybe like slid under more the more and more injuries each year. I, I think there are have been more this past year. There are more injuries, but I also think part of that is just there's more media attention to the injuries. So, so I, more, I think it'd be interesting to see whether it's um, the numbers or the media attention. I think that I think there are going to be slightly more injuries from this year to last year, but I think in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to be that much. And I'm going to attribute to. Um, Resting players wasn't really a thing this year, and they purposely set up the schedule mm-hmm. such that you wouldn't be resting players, and I think that was a step in the right direction. But um, I think when you go from uh, when you go from a uh, league where big players played seventy five to eighty or se- between between seventy and eighty games a year to playing all eighty two, I think just more time on the court means more injuries. Mm-hmm. Well, Luke, what what do you think? As someone who's like doesn't keep up on this very much. If I had a guess. You, have you seen any injuries? Did you know if injuries were a – who did you see get injured in the NBA? Don't put them on the spot like no, that. No, I'm just saying. Did you anybody get injured at all? Who's, who sticks out in your mind? I mean, I, I'll be honest. I don't follow that much like you said. I do more of the drinking than the basketball. But if I had a guess, I could totally see the media totally like – I mean, they're desperate for headlines. Um, and I could see them – I could see there being less injuries – but it appearing to be more injuries just based on the media like needing something to talk about. Which makes sense. That's all logical, and everything you guys said made sense. It was all wrong. So you're turning downward. There's yeah. less injuries. That's good. I mean, well, so yeah. the spacing out and scheduling works. Exactly. That, that, I think, that's one possibility. Because players are you know more physically fit nowadays, keeping better care of their bodies. It just, well, I think, it's it turning just, downward from 2015. I don't think fitness has changed that much. In those. Well, yeah. <laughs> you never know. So you the never website know. I used was... Kagel, I'm not missing like K A K A G G L E dot com. Okay, okay. And they measured all the way back to 2010, 2010 to 2018 of just straight up data. When a player got injured by the date, 
the number, they numbered it, how many there was, they listed who it was, what the injury was, if they played or not, what the the forecast <coughs> was. Um, they had their shit going. Um, what team they played, if they got traded during when they got an injury or whatever. And so I used those numbers, and I just went back three years. So I was like, you know, that's good enough. (laughs) So I don't know. They I factored out the amount of time because they also listed um, just resting players. I took out resting players, and I took out um, like when they started playing again, it notified you. So I took those two things out. Um, Now I'll say the data isn't perfect because it also measured like when. Coaches got injured. So Steve Kerr oh. with his back injury, that was on there. Huh. Interesting. So when coaches go out, they are injured too. Tyler sure. with his heart stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They had that on there. Yeah. Um, so they had that stuff in there. So I don't know if you want to include that in it in the data as well. Oh man. But would you say the media is reporting on more though? I think so. I think I think it exactly it'll also be that. interesting to look at because when I think of the injuries that are getting reported, it's it's the severity of the injury also Same. plays a huge because the first injury we had ten minutes into the season was Gordon Hayward six six, six <laughs> dislocating his ankle and just like you know his ankle being like at a ninety degree angle how it shouldn't be and like that's a big that's a big, big you know injury what, yeah you know what the best was my cousin with the Achilles a lot of ACLs and then con- the concussions are starting to play in so the seve- the bigger severity injuries are getting shown. If a bench player sprains their ankle, we're not hearing about it. If Steph Curry sprains his ankle, the world knows yeah, about it. Right. All of a sudden, we can make up for how bad he's playing because he does have that past history of ankle issues. So, I'll say I think it is interesting that the media – but I think it's also – sorry. My point is I think bigger players got taken yeah. out this year. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, – sure. I'm not – so from the data I saw, there were some big name players, big injuries that you recognized. Derrick Rose's. I went all the way back to see that one to make sure they had it. They did. Um, I don't know if that's weird, but <laughs> anyway, they, they went in super detail, and there was a lot of players I didn't recognize. A lot of bench players, a lot of role players, a lot of players who did a lot of stuff, I'm sure, but I didn't know their name. So you gotta wonder if it's them playing more, people getting more minutes. What's how many how many minutes per game did that player have? Yeah. So you can start to see build a timeline to see what kind of longevity a player is going to have. Which kind of brings us back to our first point: How long are people going to stay in the league? How many how much is our injuries going to play a factor in how late in the game they decide to take it? You know, any player, knock on wood, next season could get an injury. And it sucks, but some really good players might end their careers. Yeah, no. You know, I, 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 you could argue that Demarcus Cousins' career yeah. was just cut short a couple of years because the Achilles is very hard to come back from. And Kobe did it, and even though I mean Kobe came back and still played same. a couple of years, he was never Kobe. Kobe until the last game of the season when he shot the ball seventy times and scored sixty points. He didn't dunk it though. He could dunk it. He's like, I would if I could. So, Broken. I mean, it's... He gave everything he had. People are like, he's coming back. He's coming. He's coming. He's like, guys. Yeah. It's over. He's over. Um, good, I'm good. going to pursue other things. We hey, can do more. L- l- listen to me, Kobe. Open the front office. Don't do it. Good years. for you. Good for you, dude. You, 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 you literally want out the most Kobe bash possible. If you come back 
and your last game is less than 60 points, I will never forgive you. Because <laughs> <laughs> the fuck with you thing. My favorite, oh, my favorite Kobe thing. I gotta get this out. It's that stupid ass commercial. I don't know if it's real or fake, but he's like standing up in front of a bunch of celebrities and he's just like mob mentality, whatever. And then Kanye West is like, how can I be more successful? And Kanye's like, or no, uh, Kobe's like, be more successful. And he's like, how? Like, my shoes have done this, my clothing, my music, all oh, this, this is done so good. And he's like, be more successful. Yeah. And he's just like, what the fuck does that mean, Kobe Bryant? That's the model the, 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 the thing about basketball is basketball is one of those things where it's like, hey, how can we be better? It's like, put up more shots, practice more, practice. And the other things in life is like, hey, like, how can I run a more successful business? Just do it more. <laughs> no, like, I'm trying to figure out, how, like, how to bring my costs down or, like. <laughs> what, is my revenue stream off? Like, what is going on here? Yeah. Um, be more successful. What the fuck does that mean, Kobe Bryant? (laughs) But but getting back to it, I think the injury thing's really uh, interesting. I think a big reason why the injury was so big this year is it felt like there were a lot of big injuries right before the All-Star break. And I I think it was just like, I I wonder if you were to take that month period and compare it to the rest of of it and see maybe that month was just more. But I remember Kristaps went down, Cousins went down, Robertson went down. um, John Wall didn't play. John Wall didn't play. It just felt like in a one-month period, it's, a lot of really big names in the NBA all went down. Kevin, Kevin Love, too. Kev, Kevin Love. Uh, Jimmy he was Butler, back to the All-Star game. Jimmy Butler didn't Jimmy, play Jimmy the All-Star Butler game. was out for a month yep. after the All-Star break. Yep, and uh, they were all team LeBron, and that was cool because he LeBron, he won anyways because he's the best of all time. But, <laughs> <laughs> they are all on my fantasy team. I was pissed. John Wall, Jimmy Butler. I was mm, whatever. Um, Not salty. But, but yeah, um, the, the point being – I think that this year was just an anomaly that there was a weird month. I don't think it and um, I, I'm, I'm, got hurt in like December though. Gordon Hayward got hurt in the beginning he, of the he, season. Kristaps got hurt after he'd been selected to the All Star game. I know that's a fact. Who? Kristaps. He had already been selected to the All Star game by the time he got hurt. Okay. I'm just... But um, yeah. Uh, I'm glad to hear that it's trending down because that means the whole spacing out games is working. And also means just better NBA games. Like, people want to go see these players play. And if they're not injured, that helps. And if it means that spacing out games is working, that means you're getting to go see these players. I know there was a game a couple years ago where the Cavs rested Kyrie, Kevin Love, and LeBron, and they were going to play Memphis. Yeah, okay, yeah, I understand you're playing Memphis, one of the worst teams in the NBA. But the people in Memphis might be buying tickets to see LeBron James play. Like, that's how big of a player he is and just the hype that he can create where fans of other teams want to go see the greatest player of this generation play. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's exactly why Adam Silver made, spaced out the games more. That's why they don't play well, a lot of back-to-back games 80, anymore. He played, he played all, 82. all 82 for the first time in his career. Nope. Not true. Yes. Nope. Dude, look me on that. Check right. me on that. Look, look it up. Not to see Sam go down again on another episode Do of it. Pwned. Anyway, they are playing up, like spacing out. You guys are forgetting one thing: the game is changing. If driving isn't as big of a factor as it was back in the in the days, <laughs> all the way back to the beginning, driving is not. You know, LeBron James plays all eighty-two games for the first time in his career. Really? 
Oh. List on NBA.com on April 11th saying he yes. wants to play all of all 82. He didn't play his first couple years in Cleveland. He didn't play all 82. All right. Well. Anyway. Alternative facts, fake news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just they they were playing. They're playing. I don't know. I don't even know where I was going. It just feels so good. <laughs> oh. All right. On that note, um, our next segment is called One Piece of Wet. Hmm. I have collaborated a good list of NBA teams who are one piece away from being next-level teams. Some of these are one piece away from, like, teams who are good and are one piece away from being championship contenders. Teams who are pretty bad teams but are one piece away from being, like, mid-tier playoff teams. And, um, yeah, so I'll just get started into it. Uh, My first team is the Thunder. I know what piece – I think I know what piece they're missing. I think they are one good piece – away from being a real contender in the West. What do you guys think? Power forward, maybe? Power forward, okay. Interesting. Um, well, I mean, let's say that you're fine at center with Steven Adams. He's good enough. Yeah. Westbrook at the one, Paul George at the three. I think three I think four? I, at the yeah, I, at three. three, three, four-ish. I no. think it's got to be a two just because of if you have a two in this league, I think the two is shown to be a little more important than the four, just because it is more of a shooting league these days. Yeah, uh, that, that's what I said is I think they're one good all-star shooting guard away. And so um, we're just going to start throwing out players who they may not have no chance of ending up on this team, but just imagine scenario. Imagine scenario, Clay Thompson on Clay Thompson on the uh, Thunder. That's the guy I was thinking of, and Clay Thompson is the one guy in my mind who is that guy who can come in. All right, they're next level team. Like every team could use a shooting guard. Yeah, and he's the guy. Like Ray Allen. Ray Allen's retired, so like move on. But but um, yeah, the thing about Clay Thompson is Clay Thompson is a high efficiency guy who doesn't need a lot of touches, and he plays great defense. And so Russell Westbrook runs his team, and I don't agree with it, but they're going to run the team where Russell Westbrook gets the most touches. What you need around him are super high-efficiency guys who are okay with low touches, and Clay Thompson is the epitome of that. Yeah. I, I, think, think, I think Ray Allen is as well. I think well, Clay Thompson retired. is the real idea. It is the piece that can make every team better. Because the way when we first brought up this topic, my initial thought, I thought, all right, teams that are one piece away from being championship contenders – and my thought was the Philadelphia 76ers. What do you need on that team? You need shooting. And my first thought was Clay Thompson. Yeah. Was, you know, you're going to have Simmons can drive the ball, doesn't really much have a shot. Fultz can drive the ball, doesn't much have a shot. You're, but Covington can shoot, and Embiid can shoot a little bit. You throw Thompson on that team, that efficiency, with the uh, defense. They also have Red, Red, Reddick's on the team, one, one of the best three points in the game. Yeah, and on top of that, uh, Simmons has been working on his three point and continue, uh, and is talking about putting it as part of the thing. And here's the thing: is Simmons, I'll, I'll trust him. Simmons, here's the thing: is Simmons doesn't yet. It's the Andre Drummond argument. Simmons doesn't even have to be good. He needs to be good enough that they have to guard him. Because look at what Boston did to him. They put a center on him and said, "Hey, I dare you to shoot outside the paint," and he didn't. But if he can shoot at a twenty five percent clip and maybe a thirty five percent clip when he's wide open, that means teams have to guard him. All right. Um, That's true. Move, move, move. I don't think it's going to happen because he's just going to keep missing. He's just going to keep missing. I, but what? But, dude sucks at threes. Yeah, it's he like sucks at threes because he was playing. He said it himself. He said, I was playing my streaks my uh, uh, rookie year. But moving forward, I think I don't think he'll ever be a great three-point shooter in his career. But 
I mean, never say never. That's that's his first year. You never yeah. know. See, no, but he, he, here's the thing: is I don't think he ever will be because he doesn't have to be. I think he just needs to be good enough to space the floor and make them respect him. Then he can play to his strengths again. You, you think he's working on it? Think yes. He has come out and said he's working on it. The argument you're making is for a three point shooter like Marcus Smart. If I'm a team, I don't care about leaving Marcus Smart open for three. He is not a great three-point shooter, even when he's open. The kind of three-point percentage you're asking are asking Marcus Smart to three-point shooting. And if I'm a defense, I am perfectly fine with that, and I will not guard that. Then why does every single team close out on Marcus Smart? No one I wouldn't. wide open. I would. I, 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 what, what Boston Cavs series did you watch? I saw Marcus Smart brick three after three wide open because Cavs, the Cavs yes. didn't close out. Oh, well, they, they, still, they, they, they still sent a guy to close out. They, been, they did not just let him take an unmolested shot like you would uh, Ben Simmons or an Andre Drummond. But moving on to the next team, here's a fun one. Here's a team that I think maybe that they're not – to a championship contender, but I think they're the team that is one piece away from making the biggest jump, and I think they're going to make a big jump this year anyways. Phoenix Suns. Oh, that's what I said, man. That's what I said in the beginning of this whole thing. I'm like, watch out. Phoenix Suns are a surprise team yeah. that they're getting a good player. They already have Devin Booker. They got two good players. Malik Monk's a badass, too. Malik Jackson. You're Jaron Jackson. Sorry, Jaron Jackson. No, Jaron Jackson went to... No, no, no you, Josh, Josh Jackson. Josh. No. Jackson. Who, Josh then Jackson. who does they get this year in the draft? Other than DeAndre. DeAndre. And they got the guy that they – um, Mikel Bridges, sorry. Yeah, Mikel they got Bridges. Mikel Bridges. And I think Mikel Bridges is a badass. I think Mikel Bridges is going to do great. <laughs> he's but unproven. He's he's unproven, and that's fine. He did, he did good. So he is also unproven. But these so, are the things we know. So what piece is the Phoenix Suns missing? Point guard. Yep. He got it. Oh, boy. Tyler Ulis. <laughs> your your point him. guard, they, well, they released Tyler Ulis. They no longer have Alfred Payton. You traded Bledsoe for the tweet. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah, that's a, that was a good um, idea. Yeah, it, it's point guard. If, if Aiden is going to be your staple at center, that's okay. Booker has already shown that if he's in the East, he's an all-star. But yep. How because deep is of, the bench? You could get no. by without a good point guard. If you have a good bench as uh, well. But they so here's the, here's the thing is right now they add a lot of pieces. So all their former starters are now bench players. And I think that's about par for them. Um, so, uh, but so the way I project their starting lineup is actually, I'm unsure of point guard, but then Booker, Ariza slash Bridges. Um, who's there for? Peyton? Is he still there? No. no. Uh, uh, DeAndre Jordan at the five. They don't have DeAndre Jordan. Sorry, not DeAndre Jordan. Uh, DeAndre Ayton. Oh, they just added Trevor DeAndre Ariza. Ayton. Yeah. It, um, and who's their four right now? I know it's... They probably play uh, a Dragon Bender. Bender, Dragon. Yeah. Dragon uh, <laughs> yeah. Bender. And who's solid? He's a good role player. But... Um, I said the only other couple people on their team are that who really... Uh, Marquise Chris could play and um, Josh Jackson could hey, play that. So here's one I could... Here's, so... I'll, I'll throw out who I think would be the absolute best fit for them. Um, imagine a Damian Lillard on that team. Imagine yeah. a Damian Lillard on any team yeah, besides yeah. So it's, like Boston, Golden State, and OKC. Yeah, so right, so right there's best fit. But um, for them, I actually have a realistic fit in the next couple of years. Uh, what about Terry Rozier? Is the, the Celtics have Kyrie Irving. They just double down on Marcus Smart. Terry Rozier might want to go to a team where he can be the star. We Tara, keep paying that narrative, but he he's come out and he said, actually, like I'm cool to do, I'm cool to come off the bench. Yeah, 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 and that's Kyrie a great that's a great thing to say uh, if you want to be marketable. 
especially if Kyrie leaves when the contract's up. Because yeah. he because Kyrie did want to go to the Knicks. That's where That's he really wanted to go. So. Yeah. No, but but what what I'm saying is there's a chance that Kyrie stays, and if Kyrie stays, Kyrie's contract goes up one year before um Terry Rozier's does. And I think Terry Rozier might be able to make a jump, and I think the uh, Suns would be a great fit for him, and they and have they got might, the cap space to give him a max. You know, but if, if right now it's that's two if Rozier's contract is up one year after Kyrie's, is, what's if Boston does nail down Kyrie, what's stopping Boston from trading him to get other pieces? Yeah, uh, that's true. That's but, true. All right, so moving on to our next team. Not that Boston needs any more pieces; they're already um, pretty solid. So here's a team I think that. Um, Here's an interesting team. I think they are one piece away from being uh, Eastern Conference Finals um, contender, and I think that piece isn't necessarily a player. It's something that needs to happen on their team. I got two. I got two teams like that are like, oh hey, like they have everything. They just need to make something work, and this one relies on player talent. Um, what are what is the Bucks missing? What are uh, besides Giannis' shot, that's it. Some sort that's all of, I said was if Giannis can if Giannis can start stretching the floor. I, I've got I've got one some sort of presence at the center position. Uh, Brooke Lopez, they already got him. To, the, the way Brooke, they, Brooke I mean, Lopez stretches the floor. Brooke Lopez gets rebounds, he and does. they're already not a team that is shy of rim protecting and rebounds, which is what you want from modern days. No, but they don't play a lot very good defense. He does. Neither. Brooke Lopez does. He does Giannis exactly plays. what he needed to do. They need yeah, to do a zone defense as a man to man as a whole. The Bucks are one of the worst uh, defensive teams in the NBA last season. Well, I think that I think that has a lot more to do with the coaching of Jason Kidd, who was stuck in the ISO era. I think if they get a coach who can adapt to the modern NBA. I think when you really look at it, they have one really weak defense. Uh, they have one really weak defensive player and Eric Bledsoe. And I think that the last year Celtics have shown that you can hide a point guard in your defensive scheme. Like how can the Celtics be the second best team in the Eastern conference and have Isaiah Thomas as their point guard. If you can't hide your point guard in defense. That's pretty much it. <laughs> That's true. You just have to shift them. <laughs> yeah. That's really it. But Golden State's that. a great defensive team, and Curry's not that good of a defender. Um, I actually think Curry's a top. No, uh, he's actually, he's actually a very good guard defender. I don't like how I as much I hate to I as much I hate to admit it, Curry is fantastic. I hate the guy. Which is, I don't which even is, hate the guy. I respect the hell out of the guy. I hate his team. Players. It's uh, I don't want to talk. About but it. they do hide him a little bit because they put Thompson on the best guard. All right, that's yeah. not hiding. That's being smart. Yeah. But like they also no here's the thing is how many how how many teams have two good guards and they put Thompson on the best one and him on the second best one and he still holds like when they pl- uh when they play the uh Blazers that puts uh Curry on McCollum McCollum is very good he's very shifty he plays the ball low he's, he's a great quick. shooter he's not quick. he's not quick but that's okay because he's shifty and you know what Curry keeps pace Curry plays good defense. I think Curry how would play, play, the, how about, play in the Wizards. I, um, I think he'd take on Wall's, Bradley Beal or John Wall. Yeah. I think because John Wall is like I, Westbrook, he's I, an explosive. Yeah, player. and so I, you, you, you put Clay, you put Clay on Wall, and I think he. Uh, do I think he shuts down Bradley Beal? No, but do I think Bradley Beal goes off on the Warriors? I think the stats will agree he doesn't. I think Gra- Bra- Bradley Beal has a very average. There's so many night. other things contributing to why he's not doing well, though. Like, yeah. it's not. Bradley Beal is going to explode if he can ever just get his vibe right with John Wall for a consistent period of time. I don't think Dwight Howard's going to be the person to do that. Well, that's the entire that's the entire Wizards locker. Room. Who knows? That locker room is going to be heated this season. All right. 
Here, here's a team that I think is trying to watch it implode in the playoffs. Oh my god! So one team who I think is one big piece away from. I don't think they're quite championship level one big piece away, but they're out in the conversation if they get this one piece. Uh, what is the Jazz missing? What are the Jazz missing? No, when you refer to the Jazz, when you refer to the Jazz, you're referring to the team. The team is singular. What is the Jazz missing? Close to 
or on the. That's not true. Oh my god! Right, 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 right like now they have two: Jimmy Butler like and Derrick Rose. Yeah, it seems it's like it. Eight. It's two. That's not all. Fine. Zach Levine went on to the Bulls. Yeah. But, it um, seems like that. All right. <laughs> so here, here's a team who I think is one piece away, not from being a championship contender, but from really, really scary in their conference. Um, what are the Pistons missing? Everything. Nope. No. But they've five. got they've got a great they've got a great center. They've four got a, they've got a very good four. Um, Luke Kennard can develop into a Luke Kennard can develop into a good three or two. Who's their four that's good? Oh, that's right. They have Blake. Blake Griffin. Cool. Yeah, uh-huh. they need a three, two, and one. Uh, they have Zaza Pachulia now. He's great off the bench. <laughs> um, no, uh, and they have Jose Calderon uh, now. He's a good backup point I, guard. He's getting old. Well, uh, no, Reggie Jackson is a good backup point guard, but they're starting him. That's, Glenn Robinson, that's the third. They're starting I guess. Um, I, I think they need a one, two, no and a three. They need, they need a one, two, and a three. They need a one, two, and a three. Uh, I I was giving it to I was giving it to Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, and uh, Jose Colorado. I think they're missing a three, and I get they wanted to get Blake, but I think Tobias Harris is going to turn into such a stud. I I, I if I if I'm a GM and I look at my backcourt and it's Jack Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, and Jose, I just for reverse say there's a lot to be decided. Because yeah. <laughs> Luke Kennard has not proven himself to be a JJ Redick yet. Obviously, I think that's JJ what Reddick they didn't thought. Start, JJ Redick didn't start performing until his fourth year. I said, obviously, that's why they drafted Luke Kennard to be a JJ Redick. Going to Duke, both of them set aside. That's what he did. We get it. They're both white. Sorry. (laughs) But I, I I think, I think it's the backcourt. They need multiple pieces there to be championship wolf contention. To be mid range. The the Pistons are more than one away. Yeah, there may be a couple pieces. Um. All right. Here, here's a team that. They, I feel like they have all the pieces, and the pieces just aren't quite there. Oh, we're running low on time. All right. Um, here's here's a team that is missing one thing, and it could be anyone. But how about the Bulls? And what I'm just comparing this by saying, the Bulls are pretty good at every position, and they're just missing a star, and that star can play any five position, like any of the five positions. The issue is you need like, multiple stars to win who's the their, league. Who's their three? Who's their three? Well, they're gonna have they're gonna start Chris Dunn is probably gonna be their one. Zach Levine will be their two. Yep. Um, their four is Laurie Markinen. Their five Middleton. is gonna be um Mid- either no Middleton. No, their three is now Jabari Parker. Jabari Parker. Their four is going Laurie to be Laurie Markinen, and then their five is gonna be either Wendell Carter Jr. with and Robin Lopez kind of switching yeah. on off. And like that's a very like solid role playing team. But take any. Well, here's the thing: is they need that's a team. If you put, they a, top, if you, if you put a top, if you put a top five talent in the NBA on that team, that team's scary good. Put a Paul George, put a KD, put a LeBron, um, put how oh, let's go to the point guards. Put a Damian Lillard, put a Steph Curry, put a like any like top tier talent on that team, and that's all of a sudden a scary team. Kemba like, Walker. Kem- uh, nah, you, you need a little. You need a little more than Kemba. Kem- oh. Here's the thing: Kemba's is, good, but I think Kemba's very more. good. Kemba brings him up to about the sixth seed in the East. That's harsh. Man. I think Kemba. I think Kemba brings them into the playoffs. Yeah. I think this team is will be in the playoff battle. I don't think they will make the playoffs. I think if they added Kemba, that Kemba would bring them to the playoffs. So, um, who is? What is your ultimate dream scenario for the Chicago Bulls? Uh, they lose every game because the Bulls. But fuck the Bulls. No, no. But if you were a Bulls fan, like, what would you want for the Bulls? 
I think it's the LeBron same James. for every team. LeBron yeah. James. LeBron James. Yeah, but like, he, but, <laughs> he's, but, he's, but he's locked up for four years. Give me something like Kawhi Leonard's up for free agent this year. Oh, yeah, they would jizz in the pants for yeah. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi, yeah, I mean, I don't know if K- KD's up for free agent too this year. Mm, and you know, you know, you know, KD. He took a one year. He took a three year, and he's a, he's about to have his third year. I thought he got no, no. He resigned. He, this he got an extension. Yeah. He, you know, it, it, it came it came off. He, he was a free agent this off season. Yeah, yeah he, he took the one year. I um, it was two. Uh, yeah, I think it was. I think it was. I think it was one get one with a player option for two. I yeah, think that's okay. what it was. Okay. But um, Durant. I listened to his podcast with CJ McCollum, and he's really like. As much as you want to admit it, he's really self-conscious about the whole, like, oh, you want to go on date? And so maybe he's like, hey, I need to take a team that's not seen as good and turn them into a championship team. And the Bulls are primed for that. Hmm. Yeah, what you... Especially, especially, terrible. especially he is an inside track. If the Warriors are going to crumble, maybe he goes to the Bulls for a year, they don't want a championship, and then all of a sudden, Draymond leaves. Clay leaves. Steph's probably a lifer. But, like, all of a sudden... They crumble and Steph would play for the Hornets. Yeah, he would. He would. He would. And guess what? That leaves Kemba open to come to KD's team in Chicago. Yeah, but that's where we're no, 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 we're, we're, we're two championships in a crumble before. Yeah, no. Here's all I'm saying: is if I was a Bulls fan, this would be my dream scenario, and I can't rule it out. Whereas it's like, oh, my dream scenario is the Lakers trade uh, LeBron for the Bulls for nothing. It's like, well, no, that that's that can't happen. What I just named could happen. I think. I think realistically, you're looking at trying to possibly get like Jimmy Butler back or Kawhi to sign in the offseason. Question. Answer. Current teams right now, you switch Kemba Walker and Steph Curry. Would they be as good? Um, Warriors I, would I, still win the championship. Warriors still win a championship, but all of a sudden, the more competitive. The Hornets are like a five team in the East. Because they get a lot of shooters on the Hornets team with Malik Monk at the two. But what does Steph do but better than Kemba? Shoot significantly better. I mean, Kemba's not a bad shooter, but when he he's very efficient for how much how many threes he shoots. Um, uh, Steph get Steph create shots for himself so much better. I think the team does. Have you seen the, the, how the, many the, the, spa- the spacing on Golden State definitely helps yeah. the rest of it. Like everyone shoot better. Yeah. Um, it's crazy how many open shots he gets because they have such very well designed plays. I think the coach plays a lot to that as well. But I'm just wondering if Steph would be as good on the Hornets as he is on the Warriors. Huh? I don't think he would. Well, moving onward, we're on to our last and reoccurring segment um, where we compare two players of different eras. And this is a really interesting one because um, we're really going to have to speculate on where one of these players goes because they're very young. This is Joel Embiid versus Hakeem Olajuwon. Now... Right now, I think we can all agree that Hakeem Olajuwon is better because Hakeem Olajuwon has played a full career. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. so we can't argue that. But if we, if we get, so if we're going yeah. on but Embiid's potential of what we've seen this season and possible future, of we're that. we're talking we're talking top feeling here, people. That's yeah. what we're talking. Yeah. Um. But on on top of that, um, here's one thing I want to bring up. Uh, Hakeem Olajuwon is well regarded by his peers as a very good team leader. Um, Joel Embiid, I'm sure, like, it doesn't seem like any players have an issue with him, but if I were on an NBA team with someone who's constantly going on Twitter and starting beef with other players and trying to get Rihanna to date him, <laughs> like, I'd, I'd find him funny, 
but he wouldn't he wouldn't be who I answer to in the locker room. And part of it is, I, and part of it is he's really young. He's really young, and like he's just now getting into fame. And maybe through his career, he takes a more serious role. But I think if he's, I think he takes pride in being the troll of the NBA, and I think that actually ultimately is gonna if he continues with that, that's ultimately gonna hurt him long run in his career because it's gonna stop him from being uh, like a true leader on his team. I think that's a valid point, but I think that what he is on Twitter and what he is in the locker room is also what the NBA is going towards in general. Very, very different than what oh. we think it actually is. Because so I think exactly what Nathan was saying. It's I mean, look at the fucking Lakers, man. They they were doing that all. They're this, doing rap battles to get with each they're other. They're still going crazy, man. They're not, they're not giving up. But LeBron's gonna be on the team, and they're still gonna be like that. I'm not even. Why would they stop? Um, I my, so my, is their greatness gonna be stopped by them being on Twitter? I don't think their greatness is going to stop by them being on Twitter. I think their greatness is going to stop by them being intentionally inflammatory. You know, with, with Embiid, though, I don't think his on-the-court game is negatively affected by his exactly. off-the-court shenanigans. It's so because amazing. His personality is very – Greatness inspires leadership. Stuff like that. I think that's just his personality, and I think that's him. That's what you're getting. I think the rest of the Philly locker room – at the very least, able to tolerate. I know a lot of them like him. So, so question for you: How do you guys think Michael Jordan was regarded as a leader? Like he was the go-to shot man. He was the guy you give the ball to, but leading? Uh, I know for I know from uh, I, mean, I know he was, he was no magic. No, I, I I know from reading first-hand accounts that he really didn't come into a leadership role until after his first retirement, and a lot of people on the Bulls did not like him. Exactly. So what I'm saying is to be a leader, to be someone that you're regarded as serious, like you're maybe on Twitter, like why would I take this guy seriously? Maybe you're not a leader, but you could still be great. Hakeem Olajuwon, he had that excellent like rapport. He was the leader. Maybe that doesn't matter as much. You know, maybe his greatness was still great because even though he was a leader, that was a great benefit. But that's what I'm saying. Joel Embiid has modeled his game off of Hakeem Olajuwon. He's come yeah. out and said he's his favorite player. Yeah. There's a lot, lot of similarities. He tries to mimic there. his game when, and, of course, he should. And Embiid does have an outside shot as well. Also, Joel Embiid plays. Joel Embiid high thirty three. Joel Embiid plays after the hand check era, and so players had to be a lot less physical with him on defense. And so, can you, if Hakeem Olajuwon were in today's NBA, where he could move so freely without getting constantly bodied as a big man. Do you think Hakeem Olajuwon would be putting up better stats in today's NBA than his current? Than, uh, his I, I'd current, say, I'd his say yes, player? but I also don't think Joel and me would be a slouch in no. that NBA as well. I think he would still be able to put up those I, I, I think, numbers. I think he would maybe even be an all-star center, but I think Hakeem Olajuwon is held up as the best center of his era. And I don't think Embiid, as he is today, would be yeah. a better center in that era than Olajuwon. And in you know, that era? In that era. In the in today's era, you can even and the league changes in today's era, you may even be able to argue that Embiid is better because he spaces the floor better. And Elijah Wan, he can shoot a little bit, but like Embiid's actually like four center he's a very good stretch five. Uh, I think he might be like the third best three point shooter on the on the 76ers roster behind Reddick and Covington. 
pretty no. good. That's that's bold. You know he's, he's not behind Simmons, but he's not beside he's not behind Simmons or Fultz. <laughs> no, but I, I wager that there's a bench player who can There's there's plenty of better shooters than that dude. Yeah. Anywho What do you who do you how okay, how do we judge this? How do we Cause we all agree that Hakeem is proven, but like who do you think is gonna be better? At the end of their careers, so do you think? Who do I Embiid think could be so, better? Do you think it, you can it, get it, three? If, is if, that if you define better by how you're remembered, right? I think it's Elijah Wan, and I don't think it's a reflection of the players. I think it's a reflection there because Elijah Wan got those two rings when Jordan was out, and as long as the Warriors reign, and then after the Warriors, Boston reigns. I really don't see the Sixers making a big championship move, and I, I'm not gonna pretend to be able to predict past three years. But I don't see them making a big move in three years. And past that, it's anyone's game. But in let, I hate to say it, in NBA rankings, rings matter, which they shouldn't because, like, if rings matter, matter Dante Jones is just as good as LeBron James. Right? But they do matter, and I think he gets those two rings. And so I think he's going to be held up better, whereas I don't – See the Sixers. I see them he's always also being. A, he's a top, like top eleven scorer all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's the thing: is we're also completely underplaying Hakeem and Olajuwon. Hakeem Olajuwon is incredible. I mean, you didn't. Like, I wouldn't say you're underplaying. You picked him to be remembered more. Yeah, but like we're we're talking we're we're this entire argument we're framing it as far as like Embiid. Well, let's also talk about how amazing Hakeem Olajuwon was. The dream shake. How many players? have modeled their dream shake, and be included after Hakeem Olajuwon. Hakeem Olajuwon changed the game in such a way. And he also, Hakeem Olajuwon held the blocked record until Kevin McCombo, who went into the league with the purpose of beating it, beat it. But Hakeem Olajuwon is, I think I think you got to give it to him just based on defense alone. I think if we're going to call him offensively equal, Olajuwon. the year many times. Yeah. Olajuwon is probably the best true center or I don't want to say the best, but is easily a top three best true center of all time. I wouldn't say he's even a true center. Then. He Why can not? shoot the three. He can stretch a little bit, but does so shooting three disqualifies you from being a true center? I would think so. Okay, like so, being a true point guard is you are a passer first, your shooter maybe second. You're a rebounder, obviously third. Because I think then you'd be a stretch center, and like that's why we have the term stretch five. But but exactly. but. But That's also, right. true center. But so I like think the Dwight true Dwight Howard is a true center. True center. Pronte Towns stretch five. Stretch five. Stretch five. Okay. Just different so, ways. So, of we're, so by your meaning, um, we're gonna say that um, Timothy Mozgov is a better true center than uh, Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid is a stretch five. Well, you're playing it that no, he has I think to be better I, just, at no, one than no, the other. Yeah, he can I, be better I think, at exactly. Mozgov at both. Because I think if you took the three okay, point well, out, well, then even if we say, game, even if be better, say better at both, I think Olajuwon is a top three true center, and maybe he's also a stretch five. But when we take just his true center attributes, I think he's a top three. It could be different. Okay. So if you're comparing one to one, he's better at this than he is at that. Yeah. If you take his this out of the, the equation, if we, if we take his three point shooting out of the equation, that's what you're I, saying. Yeah, I still think he's a top three all time true center. Who? Hakeem Olajuwon. Okay, I thought you were talking about Timothy Mozgov. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Timothy Mozgov's not even a top three center right. on the Hawks. So, Hakeem Olajuwon's better? 
This has been fun, and we will see you all in a couple of weeks. Thank you very much.